Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Missed Opportunities. We are doing Descendants, which is a Disney Channel original movie geared towards kids. So it's a little bit of a different uh, feel for us today. Um, I only have a few pages of notes because, like I said, um, things that you can't get away with in an adult story <laughs> you can definitely get away with and it's actually more encouraged um in a story for kids so yeah this is going to be interesting um i have seen it before laura you've never seen it before this right no i knew it was an original movie i knew there was music and i knew it had something to do with like cinderella and snow white and them and that was about all i knew well i think the big question is what did you think I was pleasantly surprised by it, actually. Um, I did not really grow up watching a lot of original, like, Disney original movies. I grew up watching sh the shows like Lizzie McGuire and That's So Raven. Um, but I never really got into, like, High School mu Musical, for example, was huge when I was growing up. And I honestly never really got into it super much. I think I only saw it once or twice all the way through when given the option to watch that or Treasure Planet. I, is it Treasure? Plan the the animated futuristic Treasure Island. Yes, What's Treasure that? Planet. Treasure Planet. I, okay, I was right, kind of. <laughs> anyway, given the option between Treasure Planet and High School Musical, as like a 14, 15-year-old girl, most people think I would choose to watch Zac Efron sing and dance. No, I chose Treasure Planet. Like, I just wasn't super into like Disney original stuff, so I didn't have a super great opinion or um, outlook going into it, but I was really pleasantly surprised by it. I will say that. <laughs> so that's actually how I saw it the first time. Was my niece uh, had she she loves villains and bad guys, and that's like her favorite thing. And so when all of these uh, merchandise started coming out for this show, this movie. Um, she was all about it. You know, she was like a six-year-old obsessed with like her all-time favorite Disney character, like not Disney, you know, princess or what, like her favorite character of all time is Ursula. So like the idea of villains and their kids, like it was just right up her alley. So that's why I saw it for the first time. Um, and and I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I like cheesy Disney movies, so I'm not I'm not ashamed of the fact that I watched it. And then uh, there are two sequels that I have definitely watched, and I did not watch them with my niece. So <laughs> um, <laughs> I am looking forward to watching the sequels. I because I really like the first movie, and I'm like, are they gonna don't? And you can't don't tell me, Taya. I'll tell you I nothing. Thank you. Okay, I had a point before I said this <laughs> next part, but for everyone in the audience, since I've never seen anything from two or three, and it, like, and I liked one, so I'm really looking forward to watching two and three, but I'm also really dreading it because I'm like, what if it's basically another Pirates of the Caribbean situation, which we talked about last week, um, where I love, well, I love the first Pirates. I really, really enjoyed the, this first movie, Descendants 1. And they have two more, and I'm like, well, what if I watch the next two, and they just kind of ruin it for me? They ruin the characters, the story. Like, I just, I have that dread going into it. I have heard one thing about two and three, one complaint um, from social media. I can't remember what page or who said it, but they said that the thing they didn't like about two and three were that the 
characters are obviously teenagers, like older, upper range teenagers, 16, 17, 18, 19. And they said as the movies go on, they act younger and younger. But I don't know if that's just them getting older, like the person watching the movies, or if that's true. So we will find out next week if I agree with that statement. <laughs> we will find out. Um, but for, for today, I mean, because I was an adult when I watched the first one. So my opinion, like I, I can see people growing up and then it seeming younger. I get that. Um, I won't tell you my opinion until next next week. So um, but let's go ahead and talk about the first one. Yes. Uh, so go ahead and and I, I have a question for you as we, we talk about the beginning of this because um, it has a traditional like opening up a storybook type of beginning, um, but then it transforms or it is not a book, it's a tablet? <laughs> yes, like, um, Sleeping Beauty is the same way it opens up with a really grand book and you go through and you hear the beginning but this time instead of a book we have an ipad so very very modern they're really letting us know right from the start that we are in the modern day there's do you have any notes on that by the way before i go into the actual summarization did you have notes on the ipad (laughs) um as far as the ipad itself i thought one i think it's super cheesy but i also think it's really clever to kind of mold the two worlds of how they did it of like right off the bat you know we are talking about you know fairy tale characters but we also know we have modern technology and she talks about like the wi-fi like no wi-fi no magic and so these two things are coexisting in this world um i did think it was weird the that they chose bell and beast as they like because usually whenever anybody does like the kingdom you know it's cinderella because she was one of the first ones or sleeping beauty and yeah. i thought it was weird that it was beauty and the beast and well, then i haven't, well, I haven't and got the the beast villain isn't even in it <laughs> sorry what and then the beauty and the beast villain isn't even in it like um guess yeah, on guess descendant is not in in this you know <laughs> so it's kind of like Oh, that's kind of a like I, I like it because of the way that the story pans out but when I was watching it I was like you know it really is a weird choice that Beast is the the king over everything and I also thought it was weird that well, his Taya, son was the king. Wait 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 Taya I didn't even get that far in the summary yet. I only said do you have notes about the iPad? <laughs> I didn't even so get bad at this guys. So bad. <laughs> okay so if you haven't seen it, you're probably really confused. <laughs> so the iPad opens up with once upon a time, we had all these fairy tales, which we know. Basically, Adam, who is the beast from Beauty and the Beast, and Belle, who is the princess that he marries and turns queen, he unites all the kingdoms into, I believe it's called Auradon. And he becomes yeah. the main leader of Auradon. And then he takes all the villains and their families and banishes them to this little isle off the coast in the middle of nowhere and they put a barrier around it this barrier prevents any magic or wi-fi um, from getting in it also prevents anyone on the isle from getting out um and we open up on ben who is beasts and bell's son he is going to be turning 16 soon and apparently that means he shall be crowned king um so he has a coronation coming up and he said his first thing he wanted to do was have the children of the villains from the little isle that they're banished on 
he wanted to have a trial run of having a few of them come over to Oradon and join the high school there with all the other people um, because he feels like even though the villains themselves did evil things and are evil, their children did nothing wrong and shouldn't be punished for their parents' crimes. So my first note that I had was why on earth is he being crowned king so young? Like Adam, the beast, does not look like he is too old to rule a kingdom by any stretch of the imagination. He looks like the a, a good age to be a ruler of a kingdom. <laughs> so why on earth are they crowning Ben to be king so young? I don't know. I Yeah, that was my first note was like 16? Like, you couldn't, I mean, I get that they want them to be in high school, but, but I feel, I feel like if he was, like, 18, or he was 17, and he was turning 18, um, because obviously they wanted it to be a romance between him and one of the girls, and so it's, like, they made him younger to be, like, her, but I honestly feel like that was a weird choice <laughs> like why didn't they just make him a little bit older and keep her because 16 and 17 is not you know like him turning 18 and her being 16 that's not that weird you know and yeah. It, it, yeah I'm with you that's a weird age to be crowned king especially when the the beast and Belle look perfectly able-bodied and they're not sickly in any way. They just, for some reason, don't want to be king. <laughs> but he also says that he's like, no, my son, you're growing up too fast. You're just a toddler. And she's like, he's 16 years old and he's about to be crowned king. And it's like, so the dad doesn't want him to be older. He want, you know, like he's got like the fatherly, I want my little boy. So he doesn't want him to, to be king, but not like in a bad way, just like in I want my little boy forever way. So... I, yeah, I don't, I don't understand the choice behind that other than the idea that this is for 12-year-olds and 12-year-olds, you know, having a crush on an 18-year-old might be a little bit weird. I don't know. I don't but know. I, I had also... a crush on, bringing back to Pirates of the Caribbean, I had a crush on Jack Sparrow and Will Turner when I was, like, 10, so... Yeah, I don't, I don't think... I don't think they would have lost anything by making him 18 or turning 18. And I don't think they really gained anything by making him 16. So I think it was a weird choice to make him 16. I agree. Um, so that was my first note for just staying on Oradon. Do you have any? So you already mentioned you thought it was weird that it was Beast and, B- and Belle who were chosen as the ones to build the kingdom instead of someone else like Cinderella or Snow White who Snow White was the first animated princess movie of Disney. So if you wanted to go, like, super OG. Well, she was the first animated movie ever. That was the very first full-length animated movie of all time in any, not just at Disney, but Disney did it first. (laughs) They had never had a cartoon that was a movie. This was the the very first one. So she's super OG. And a lot of, that's why a lot of people use her. And Cinderella is the most iconic with, like, Disneyland's Cinderella's Castle. So... Cinderella is typically the normal choice um so yeah it was kind of weird but I also I like Ben oh yeah so I'm okay and I really liked Beast I thought he did a good job and Mm -hmm. I like I like the actress that plays Belle I always have she's on Once Upon a Time and a lot of other stuff (laughs) and so I've always just liked her so I was okay with it but and they're like I mean Beauty and the Beast is one of my favorites and so I didn't have a problem with it I just thought it was a really odd choice yeah, no, I agree. At first I was like, 
a little taken aback because you do kind of assume it's going to be Cinderella or Sleeping Beauty, possibly. Um, which I have a note about Sleeping Beauty later. I don't think I actually wrote it in there, but I should remember it. Anyway, well, we go right over from Oradon with Ben being uh, talking about how he wants to bring the descendants get the name <laughs> the descendants of the villains over to Oradon high school and we go right over to the aisle where the villains are banished and we straight off get a musical number by the four main kids of that are going to be in the movie the descendants of the villains and we find out it's uh, maleficent's daughter jafar's son corella deville's son and the evil queen's daughter who are going to be going over to Oridon, and they're the ones, you know, singing the song about how they're rotten to the core. Um, get it rotten to the core because Evil Queen has the apple, and it was <laughs> it was fun for. I, I, it was a fun musical number. I thought. Um, my um, my only or question about this specific part, like with the musical number, you know, they're going around, they're doing a musical number, they're being bad, like they're stealing stuff and not caring about other people. Who all was, I thought it was only like the villains and their kids. Like who is, are all these people on this aisle? Are they all like people who were thieves or are they all criminals? Yes, it's all, it's all of the bad guys from every story ever. And you'll see that as the movies go on. But yeah. There's a okay. lot of, yeah. There's a lot of other <laughs> kids every, there too, like babies. You to, <laughs> yeah, you have to think of like, um, like Captain Hook has like a whole ship of pirates. It's all of the pirates plus their families, you know, okay. and you know, so it's the all of them, you know. Um, okay. so yeah, everybody there is a criminal, or okay. a descendant of a criminal. <laughs> okay, that makes sense because I was just like, I did not think that they had this many kids especially because a lot of them kept saying they were only ki- they were only children the four main um descendants it, it also right away reminded me of zombies which is another disney original movie which i have seen um but it reminded me it's almost the exact same plot as zombies the outline which is you take these people who are outliers who live in this very heavily guarded ne- they can never leave they don't get access to anything place yeah, and you take them and put them in a high school of the quote-unquote normal place it's the exact same premise as zombies yeah zombies has gotten a lot of flack for being the same storyline as descendants because descendants did come first yes, so but i saw they, zombies I, I, I have not i have not seen zombies um because i really hate zombies in general um and i did see like videos about it and that like they did it in a cutesy way and all that stuff but uh, but i and i have heard a lot of the the criticism is that they literally just took the premise of the sentence and just kind of made it zombies so yeah Um, i so my next note and this is you have to understand how big this note like i cannot emphasize this is the biggest biggest note i've ever written of any of the movies we've done so far at the end of the musical number, we meet the parents, the original villains of the stories, right? Mm-hmm. And immediately, my next biggest note is, is that Kristen Chenoweth as Maleficent? She better sing. Yes, I knew that. I knew that you would love that. Because I was like, <laughs> she like, she doesn't know anything about it. She's going to see Kristen Chenoweth and she's going to freak. <laughs> like, I did. I paused and I was like, ah! 
and I wrote it in like the biggest letters ever. I'm like, she better sing. Like, ah, oh my gosh. Christian Chenoweth is incredible. She is by far, I, I mean, I'm extraordinarily biased, but she's the best part, in my opinion, of the movie. She, because she's <laughs> just though she has, she has so much fun in this role. She always has so much fun in whatever role she takes on. You can always tell she just is loving it but especially as Maleficent I thought um she had a lot of fun doing it and I had a lot of fun watching her be evil when she took so during the song her daughter whose name is Mal so first of all Maleficent named her daughter after herself because Maleficent starts with M-A-L and her daughter's name is Mal (laughs) which I thought was funny (laughs) but like Mal takes a, a lollipop from a baby and her mom's like you're stealing candy she's like it was from a baby Maleficent takes the lollipop that Mal took from the baby, spits on it, rubs it in her armpit, and gives it back to the baby. (laughs) Which is really gross, but it's also just like, yeah, she's having a lot of fun being evil in this movie. So I was really, really, really excited about that. Um, And we also meet Cruella DeVille and Jafar and the evil queen. Now, I do not know this for a fact, but the evil queen looks like she's that one really happy nun from Sister Act. I don't know if it is her, but she looks like her. Um, oh, shoot. She's a very famous actress. She's, um, uh, da, 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 da. she does look very familiar. So she's it could be Hocus something Pocus. else. She's in Hocus Pocus. Oh my gosh. She's the one with the, the dark hair. Yeah. Yes. We'll have we'll have to look up what her name is, but yeah, she's a very famous actor. She's very good. Yeah, she's the one from Hocus Pocus. She was also really fun to watch. They got really good actors for this movie, and not just those two. Those are just two of the good actors. But I really thought across the board, I was not upset about a whole lot of the acting in this movie. Me neither. Um, uh, so my other note for this part of the movie. Um, so, like you said, during the song, they're talking about how, like, they're rotten to the core, which I really think is clever with the whole, you know, Bad Apple and uh, Snow White and everything like that. I did think that a lot of the stuff they were doing didn't fit with the, like, um, the lyrics that they were doing. <laughs> and I thought it was kind of, it was it was kind of a bit of a disconnect between the lyrics of the song and the choreography of the song um however once they actually get to like the dance break part where they're all just dancing in the street that you can tell especially um the late Cameron Boyce who plays um Carlos the son of um Corella DeVille he is an amazing dancer as well as the um the kid who plays Jay who's Jafar's son and um so they all kind of, first of all, just a note, they all name their kids after themselves. Like Evie is Evil Queen's daughter. Jay is Jafar's son. Corella, <laughs> Carlos, like they're all the same. <laughs> they, they're all very narcissistic and named their kids after themselves. Um, but yeah, that was, I like you could just, you could tell that they were standout dancers, especially because Mal is obviously the lead in the movie and she was dancing in the front and because when you're dancing in the front you don't have to go as all out as when you're in the back but you could tell like she was flanked by some very very good dancers which are the boys in this movie um 
the take where she grabs the kid's lollipop was a little slow. Like they're dancing, dancing, and then they stop. And then there's a shot of the baby. And then she looks at the baby and then she grabbed the baby's lollipop. And then the baby's mom takes the baby away. (laughs) And it's like, (laughs) you couldn't have done that a little smoother, like in the dance number, (laughs) just like have her grab it rather than like taking so long. Um, That was, that was my biggest thing. Um, And that was all I had for that, that section. Um, So the next part is obviously they find out that they are the four chosen to go to Oradon High School um, by their parents. And Maleficent is very, very excited, very much wanting them to go because she has an evil plan in store. So because there's no magic allowed on the island, there's no magic because of this barrier that's been put around. So Maleficent has her staff, but it's useless basically right now. She also has a spell book which she gives to Mal because it's useless on the aisle or island. So the plan is to go to the high school, find the fairy godmother's wand, the fairy godmother from the story of Cinderella, find her wand and use that wand to break the barrier so that Maleficent can use her staff to come over to Oridon and basically the villains can once and for all get their revenge and take over everything. Now there so are couple- biggest- Oh, sorry. I say my I- biggest from this section is that Maleficent was never like um in this one she wants to like take over the world and it's like it's all about world domination, darling and it's that was never Maleficent's motivation. <laughs> like they kind of get the the right motivation for all the other bad guys, except for Jafar. I didn't understand what they did with him, but um, but like the evil queen, she was all she was very vain and all about looks, and it was you know marrying a prince and riches, and that fits in Snow White's story. Um, but as far as Maleficent, she never wanted to take over the world. <laughs> she never like she had her own kingdom. And she wasn't invited to a party and she got revenge, you know, like she was just a very vindictive person. So maybe, I don't know, maybe her vindictiveness has just become full circle and she just wants to take over because they took away her kingdom. I don't know, but she, her motivation got a little muddled for me. See, that's what I got from it was, you know, she got her revenge. They got their revenge on her by locking her away. And now she's so mad at, being locked away for so long she, her she wants to take over everything completely um and also give the other villains a chance to get their revenge but i do agree with you that jafar got really muddled like i they did him dirty i'm sorry they really did i did not understand anything about jafar which is really sad because i really like jay as a character his son but Jafari, I, I love Jay as a character in this one. I he was, but he was like a thief, and he was like stealing stuff for his father's shop, which Aladdin was the thief, not Jafar. Yeah. So like, Jafar and then smooth yeah. talker. Like I'm gonna um, manipulate you into doing what I want, which makes so. sense with the salesman, I guess. It was just, it wasn't really pointed out that he was like a salesman. It was just like, he was like the pawn shop owner, you know, it wasn't. Yeah. Which is a very different, there's like, there's like the, the stereotypical like car salesman. And then there's the stereotypical like pawn shop owner. And it's two very different types of manipulation. Like 
pawn shop owners aren't usually manipulative in, you know, in, in fiction or anything. They're usually just like the collectors of things. And Jafar wasn't really a collector of things. He was a sorcerer and a manipulator, like you said. So that, yeah, he, he was not done well. Cruella de Vil was also one that was kind of weird. Um, she because they just kind of made her crazy. Yeah, which she does go crazy at the end of her movie. So it kind of makes sense that this is like after her movie because she's kind of crazy. But I feel like it was just a weird, it, it was weird. I did like that not all of the parents had the same reaction. wanted Mal to go to get revenge. Um, the evil queen wanted Evie to go to snare a prince. And Jafar, again, I don't know what his motivation was. I don't even think he cared. Um, and then... He did not um, seem to have tried- care about whether his son stayed <laughs> yeah. or went. Yeah. And then at least they had... Um, Corella Deville didn't want her son to go. But they didn't really do anything with that like it was a good idea but they did they just kind of like fell flat on that um so that was a missed opportunity to kind of have some character growth within the adults because they just had a very small screen uh screen time but they could have done like i feel like kristen chenoweth obviously because she is who she is and the evil queen they got like their their point across um but i feel like jafar and cruella were a little not like they didn't have the best lines or the best mm-hmm. screen time to kind of get the, their point across. No, not really. They were kind of just pushed to the side. You could definitely tell that who was supposed to be like the lead characters. And then they just kind of pushed those uh, two sides to the side. Um, For me, my note was they go from finding out that they're going to school to leaving to the school in like 20 minutes. I don't like, that's how the movie made it seem. If time passed, I didn't notice it. It was like they got home. Maleficent was like, you're going to school. And then they all had their reactions. And then the limo was outside. So they didn't yeah. even ha- they didn't have time to sit on the plan. They didn't have time to really pack or soak it. And they just kind of left. And also the way that it's presented is like literally Ben makes the decision we have a song and then they're there, you know, like it's really quick, <laughs> which yes, very, very fast. All they would have to do to change that is like you said, have them either have a, a scene of them packing, um, which I feel like they have the scene in the street, which that should have been the convincing scene. And then the scene where they're all back in their house, which why they're all living together. I don't know. But while they're all back in their house should have been them like packing and getting ready and like, I, I would have done it that way just so that you could see sort of a passage of time. Yeah. So that was the missed opportunity there was just kind of showing a passage of time. That being said, I don't really feel like children pick up on that as much, but it still would have been nice because, you know, never think your audience is dumb. So we yeah. flash forward. They're on. They, they're, sorry, oh, they're not one more note. oh, sorry. One more note. Go for it. The costumes. So I, the costumes in this movie and just throughout, but especially in this first scene, there is like a huge discrepancy between how awesome like the main characters, like the kids costumes are versus like the adults costumes and anybody else that's not a main character. And it's very evident in this first scene where you see like the Maleficent has a really cool um, outfit, but that's because she's Maleficent and you can't really do that. Not cool. Um, but, like, the evil queen's dress looked very cheap. And, like, 
Cruella de Vil and Jafar were just kind of costumed the way that anybody could have costumed not like you're in like an awesome Disney original movie with a huge budget like but I feel like the kids costumes were actually really cool and they were done very well and they capture their essence very well but I everybody else was just kind of like really like like I could find that cost you know like that that's a costume that's on sale in like a Disney store you know yeah, Jafar's um, was really bland, and Cruella's was really convoluted. Yeah, exactly. And then I felt like the evil queens looked just kind of looked cheap. Mm-hmm. I liked her. I liked like I liked her from like the neck up. <laughs> that was very yes. queeny. But like her dress itself did not. It looked really cheap. I agree with that. Yeah, the costumes for um, the parents outside of Maleficent could have been a lot better. I, I really feel it. Especially, again, Jafar was bland. Krella was just convoluted. And the evil queen, she did look fantastic from the neck up. Um, and that has to be so, like, her and Maleficent, they only really have their face to go off of because they're completely covered everywhere else. They're, like, nuns, almost. Yeah. Um, so they did a really good job with that, with still being in character with that. So they go through the magic barrier they find out the limo driver has a button that lifts the magic barrier why he would show them exactly where it is and how what it looks like i know it's a plot device for them to use later but i thought that was really dumb of like yes i shall show you people that no one except the prince trusts (laughs) i but they don't use it later they like, plan on it. They plan on that's it, though. What I was thinking it was like, oh, that's such, like they're totally going to do that. They're, but they never do, and they don't. But they plan on because, it, though. Yeah, they plan but, on it. And they just don't go through with as, it because. Right, yeah, I understand, yeah. but as a storyteller, like, what was the point of Disney putting that in there? Like, it makes sense for the, like, the kids, oh, we're going to plan this. But when you know the kids aren't going to go through, through with the plan, they could have easily just, like, said Kept something it about it. Or been like, we'll get back there with, you know, whatever. You know, like, they, they, they do so much. There's so much about their plan that they don't explain that that didn't need to be in there. I agree. I, I It could have done without it because I was expecting it to come back to that. They do plan later in the movie, spoiler alert, they do plan later on getting that magic remote to lift the barrier to get back to the island later, but they don't end up doing it. So it's kind of a... Uh, in real life, that something like that would happen, but in a movie, you kind of have to plan for those things. You have to you want to plan for that symmetry. So they get through the barrier in this limo. They get to Oradon High School, where we get introduced. The fairy godmother is basically the headmistress of the high school. And Prince Benjamin is there to greet them with this other young lady who we find out is his girlfriend. It is Sleeping Beauty's daughter. Audrey, I believe her name is. I don't think I wrote her name down, but I'm pretty sure it's Mm -hmm. Audrey. And Benjamin, who is, you know, Beast and Bell's son, immediately I really enjoyed the chemistry between Ben and Mal right off the bat. I thought they did a really good job I'm, casting these two because I, I I got that. I had that same note. I was like, you know, the flirty moments between these two is actually a lot better than most Disney original movies. <laughs> like, it didn't seem super forced or anything. Like, it was actually cute right off the bat yes it was very natural very cute everything that 
when you're wanting to cast people who are going to eventually form any sort of relationship, because any sort of relationship, be that platonic, family, or or romantic, you need chemistry, or at least that's what you hope for when you go into casting. So they did a really good job casting them and, and finding that with them. Or they did a really good job of creating it because some people can create it with whoever. So I like that. You know, they get a tour. They find their dormitories. We get introduced to more fairy tale descendants as time goes on, um, such as one of the seven dwarves descendants who he doesn't look like a dwarf. He looks like a normal height and build teenage boy, but he is a descendant of one of the dwarves from Snow White. Um let's see he's yeah he's dopey's son yes i'm trying to think sorry i'm trying to think of what happens next they basically oh i remember okay they get to school they have the tour we meet some more characters and they plan on finding the fairy godmother's wand that night so they can literally just get it that night and go back home and not even have to like go to school go to class deal with anything in oridon and Evie has this little magic mirror. It sits in the palm of her hand and it helps her find things. And she's the only one who can use it. And so they find the wand and they do this funny bit where first they see the wand, but it's a close up. So they don't know where the wand is. So she's like, zoom out mirror. And it zooms out to the world. And she has to do it closer and closer and closer. <laughs> Which I thought was really funny. For a kid's movie, I thought that was, that was a funny bit. I don't know. It would not have worked if it was not aimed toward kids. I agree. I think so also during that scene, we see um, Carlos is playing a video game, which they don't have Wi-Fi, so they don't really have video games on the aisle. And he's like getting so into it. And he's like throwing himself around and like thrashing. And the video game you can see on screen and literally like it's not matching his movements at all. So no, it's not doing anything. And then like the, what he's doing aren't controls like it doesn't match at all and it's hilarious because if like the the actor is getting so into it and he's so like oh this is so awesome and so and you know he can't like he's staring at a blue screen you know but like I was watching the screen and so he does this whole thing and then he's like Jay come over here and Jay does it and it's the it's a video it's the same video clip that he was doing (laughs) so he didn't even like They didn't even, like, continue on with the story in the video game. They literally just, like, replay the same, like, 10 seconds over and over of people in a video game universe. And it's really funny. Definitely not something on purpose. Like, made them, since they never played a video game, they're like, we're just going to show a preview of a video game and make them, (laughs) the the characters are just going to think they're playing a video game. And really, they're not even, they're not doing it because they don't know how. I think that I I think that's funny, but it's inconsistent with Carlos because two seconds later, Carlos figures out how to use the internet and he googles where the museum is to find the the wand. And so they they build up this whole thing that Carlos is really good at, like technology and stuff. And then at the end of the movie, like they drop it completely like that never comes back yeah. <laughs> throughout the rest of the movie but it's I like you just no this <laughs> but anyway yeah. so in this part you you see that he's really good at technology and I thought that was funny I I agree with you it wouldn't have worked in an adult film but it was it was cute in this one 
So they find the wand. They find out where it's in a museum. The museum is conveniently only like two point something miles away. So they're like, let's go. They go to the museum. Um, let's see. They get in by Mal has her mom's spell book. And conveniently, right by the security guard, they have the spindle that Maleficent used on Sleeping Beauty right there. And so she uses a spell to get the security guard to prick his finger and go to sleep. They get into the museum. They see the wand. Jay tries to steal it, but there's a force field of magic around it. And they escape. And Carlos, yet again, is so clever. He saves their butts because the alarms are going off, right? Because someone tried to break through the force field to get to the wand. And Carlos answers the phone by the security desk. The security guard is off somewhere else in the museum trying to find the perpetrators. And he, you know, looks at the list and um, from the security guard. The security guard has of all the items and basically gives all the correct codes and everything to the people on the other line to assure them that it was just an accident. No one actually tried to steal anything. No one actually came in. Like, Carlos is so smart. And they set him up to be this super intelligent person and then but then after the scene i feel like they just kind of like you said like they just drop it yeah they're just like okay well good for you (laughs) the end yeah that is your entire story arc and then there's a a thing with dogs and that's all so yeah yeah, because that was a major that was a major missed opportunity for them because that kid is was sorry he was so charismatic and fun and a really good character and they they didn't utilize him as much as they could have um, no i will in here where part did i write it carlos just get he gets overlooked after that honestly i feel like he just kind of he gets shoved to the background of the four leads and it makes hmm. me so sad because i really was enjoying his character a lot and i don't know why they did it but they did and it just yeah. makes me sad <laughs> It does. Um, the artifacts in the museum, because it kind of shows the artifacts, um, they're, again, they're not super high quality. <laughs> and that's, it's weird because you have, the budget was dispersed in this movie very oddly. Like, because you can tell that, like, when you see the kids look at something and then it shows you a picture of what they're looking at and it's like this stock photo of a costume, <laughs> you know, like, it's not. Yeah, they, they weren't very good. The artifacts in there weren't very good. They weren't very high quality and they didn't look like they were in a museum. They looked like they were on display in like a costume shop. So, yeah. Um, I also have to mention during the museum scene, Kristen Chenoweth does get her solo number. Oh my gosh, she rocks the solo number. I do have a note on that though. Go What's ahead. Your with, note on go, ahead with, go ahead with that, your that's crazy. It. <laughs> well, I was going to say, but even if you like, because I know you're probably going to come out with the criticism and I'm most likely going to agree. But all I had did was as a Christian Chenna with fan girl, I just sat back and I was like, Christian Chenna with you sing, girl. You let them know how like, you let okay. them know. You sing. <laughs> so that that's me. I'm, I'm open to the fact that I missed something during that scene because, again, I was just letting Christian Chenna with sing. Well, okay, so I don't. I agree. They, you can't get Kristen Chenoweth to play uh, Maleficent in a musical and not have her sing. That would be stupid. And but I feel like the timing of that song made absolutely no sense. And they should oh, have yeah. done that song on the aisle 
like rather than having her like because the story issue with it is the fact that Mal up till this point is not conflicted in any way. Like she has shown no signs of being conflicted from being her mother, you know, like she wants to make her mother proud. She wants to do what her mother wants her to do. She wants to be evil. That is her goal. She has no like um, confliction of, Oh, I want to be good or Oh, I don't like at this point in the movie, she is, she doesn't need a pep talk from her mom to be like, you want to be like me? You want to be evil? Like, no, like they should have done that scene back on the aisle when they were trying to convince her, they should have done that song then. And because she didn't want to go just because she didn't, it's a new thing and it was scary. And so her mom could have sang that song to convince her to go. But the fact that it comes in at this time where she's literally doing what her mom wants she's doing everything right you know wrong but she's evil so she's doing it right you know and then suddenly she has this need for a pep talk when she sees her mom's wax figure um i did hear a rumor that they didn't write christian chenoweth a song and they realized how stupid that was so they added this in later um which kind of makes sense because it kind of comes out of nowhere but they were right. They needed like you can't have Christian Chenoweth and not have her sing. That's stupid. Um, but I did think it came every project really- ever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think it did have a really. It was a really weird time to have that song, and I yeah. kind of wish they would have just had that be uh, like right after because for a musical this they don't have that many songs in this movie. So it would have been a little better if, even if they did rotten to the core and then had a little scene and then did this song, I think that would have made more sense. It would have helped with the passage of time and there like, it wouldn't have changed anything. You know, obviously it would have just been a better convincing of Mal to go. I do agree that as far as the characterization, because I thought you were going to criticize like the the song itself or something. And I was as long as I don't crit- criticize her singing, I'm fine. But <laughs> I do agree that it was weird. I didn't see any con- confliction in Mal about the plan either. And then suddenly at the museum, she, you know, sees the wax figures of their parents and suddenly gets this pep talk song. Like she's, you know, talking or singing about how she doesn't know what she wants to do or who she wants to be. And we don't get any of that from her before then. So I do agree that Mal's character stuff came out of nowhere and I do agree that it would have been better to have Maleficent sing that song earlier and the fact that honestly they, when the second they cast her they didn't immediately go and like we need a Maleficent song stop put it somewhere and they, they did that as an afterthought if that's true it's insane I'm glad they put it in at all because again her Christian Chenoweth but it's insane that they didn't do that in the first place for her um, or they yes. could have done it at the end like there was Literally, there was a lot of places where that could have happened. <laughs> but up until, because every, all of the descendants each get their own little moment or couple of moments where they have doubts and you can kind of see their doubts surfacing. Um, Mal mm-hmm. is the last one to have that moment. And so it's kind of weird that she's the first one to get a pep talk because she's conflicted, but she's the last one to show that she's conflicted you know (laughs) yeah they they did do that really weird if it is because of the afterthought thing um it's kind of 
Yeah, they could have done a lot better timing with that song. I kind of, as much as I love Christian Chenoweth, and this pains me to say it, it would have been better for the sake of the timing of the movie to not have that in there and do something else than to throw it in. But I'm really happy she sang and got a number because she rocked <laughs> that song. Um, even if it was in a rude place, she still rocked it. So they don't get the wand. We already said Carlos helps them get out of the scrape. They get back to school. No one is the wiser. And they have classes the next day. Um, and Evie, who is the evil queen's daughter, of course, is basically just looking for a boyfriend, specifically a prince with a very large castle and a very large income, because that's what her mother has trained her for. And so we meet Cinderella's son in chemistry class. I cannot remember his name. I just remember who Cinderella's son. Chad, thank you. Here's the thing. Immediately when a character is named Chad, you know something's about to be up with them. <laughs> you just do. But I really, so I have, I have two notes on Chad really quickly. So Evie's in chemistry class, sitting next to Dopey's son, staring at yeah. Chad, Cinderella's son. And he is very, very handsome because he's Cinderella and Prince Charming's son, duh. But he's so dumb. And that's the first impression they give you of him. He's just very smiley and happy, but like there's no one home inside his brain. He's just kind of there. And so I was like, oh, I kind of like that they made him like this really dumb, kind of maybe lovable jock or something. And then we get the next scene. He writes Evie a note to meet him under the bleachers. You think Evie's going to get... You know, a nice prince boyfriend, even though Dopey's son likes her and we can all see that. She wants a prince and we're like, maybe, you know, it'll become a love triangle, right? I immediately took back my note because Chad turned out to be a jerk under the bleachers. <laughs> yeah, he's <laughs> like, not, never mind, he's a jerk. He's not, he's not dumb. He's, he's a jerk. Yeah, he's not a lovable, uh, dumb jock. He's, he's a stereotypical high school mean bully jock. <laughs> Which I kind of missed the the fact that we didn't have kind of like a lovable dumb jock. Like I really, if you've ever seen the show Reba, I was like, we can have a van. That's okay. We can have a van in, at this high school. I think that would be funny. And I feel yeah. like we don't get those characters very much anymore. Maybe because no. it's a stereotype, but, and not a nice one. But I thought it would have been fun to have Cinderella's son be that. I really kind of hated that they made Cinderella's son the jerk. Because Cinderella's so kind and she's known for her kindness right and <laughs> that's literally her thing yeah her and snow white like i mean not, not that any of the other princesses are mean but like that's their main tenant is they they kind of won and defeated evil through being kind so i was really sad that it was cinderella's son who was a jerk but he's a jerk he's using evie to basically do all his homework and then Oh my gosh, I have a really big space in my notes. I'm trying to remember what happens next. Generally, um, they're at the school. They're getting goodness lessons. Um, Ben's girlfriend, Audrey, hates Mal specifically, but all of them. A lot of people don't trust the villains. And the fairy godmother's daughter thinks she's ugly. Do you have any notes for that whole section? <laughs> yeah, we meet the daughter of the fairy godmother. She is Jane. scared out of her wits. Jane, she is scared out of her wits. Um... Uh, of the descendants <laughs> she like can't walk past them without like squeaking and they they make it up to where she's not pretty and and she has no style or whatever I don't I don't understand Gorgeous. that's the weird yeah. thing she like, had the cutest outfit 
I wanted her dress as soon as I saw it. She had the cutest bow and like little ribbon bow in her hair. She is gorgeous. Yeah. So and it they just her out to be ugly. That's that was my note. Was is Jane supposed to be ugly? Like question mark? Because they have this whole scene in the bathroom where Mal does her hair and her hair, you know, like because her hair in the beginning is kind of short and bobbed and doesn't, you know, have a lot of volume or cute style or anything. It was a, in the end, it's worse when they transfer it back. But in this time, it wasn't like bad or anything. It just wasn't super cute. But then she changes it to like long, flowy, curled hair, you know, like one of the popular girls. And she's like, do my nose next. And she's like, no, you know, and she tries to manipulate her using her insecurities. Um, and she, but she says things like, you can hardly, you know, you, your hair looks so good that you hardly notice your other attributes, you know, like basically just trying to manipulate her into thinking she's ugly. But I'm like, she, she not even like a little ugly, you know, like she doesn't no. have like a big nose. She doesn't have like a, a birthmark or she doesn't have any, like anything that would be stereotypical, not pretty or you know like yeah like she doesn't have anything that makes clear she has clear beautiful skin because i was i would would think in an effort to not really if i was going to have a teenager have to be like quote unquote ugly or unattractive i would give them problems that a lot of teenagers deal with and are insecure about such as skin problems or maybe they have to wear glasses and like the glasses that their parents buy them or don't work with their face shape because I hate that they like take off your glasses, you're beautiful. But if you have glasses that don't work with your face shape, it's gonna look weird. And if you have bad skin, people for whatever reason just can't look past that. Or maybe you have like braces, like things like that you can well, do I to take someone who's attractive and make them at least you understand why they feel unattractive. And this one, she just has like body dysmorphia or something. Like she's not seeing in the mirror <laughs> what we see because she's gorgeous. Yeah, she was not unattractive at all. And I was just like, because had it been Mal, like playing off insecurities and uh, like, I think that's what they were going for was that Mal was the one that put those ideas in her head of like, you know, convincing her that she was ugly, but she obviously, but like, it didn't read very well because they didn't, I don't know. I feel like if we had done this they should have made it very obvious that it was mal manipulating her like maybe mal made her look in the mirror and she her nose looked really big even though it wasn't actually really big you know like something like that where mal used magic to deceive her into thinking she was ugly um yeah you know and, and that wouldn't have taken a whole lot because if you see yourself in the mirror one time and you think oh my nose is huge you're just going to always think that and you're always going to be insecure about that. But they don't yeah. really give her a moment to think that. It, and then like, and, and it's a very big plot. point. Like if it was just a conversation that they had in the bathroom, trying to convince her to give, trying to get on her good side so that she, they can get the wand from her mom. I wouldn't have had a problem with it, but it becomes a really big plot point <laughs> that she thinks she's ugly. And so I'm yeah. like, they really should have, dove more into that conversation and making making her insecurities either really well known or at least somewhat justified you know what I mean because yeah like when we meet her all we see is that she's afraid of them she's like shy obviously but it's 
it, a lot of it comes from the fact that she's afraid of the descendants. It doesn't seem like she doesn't like herself, you know? Yeah. I mean, and get a little, like, I will say not, not any more than anybody else, I guess I should say. They do throw a line in there about how she doesn't have a lot of friends or anything like that. But they did try. It was just way too subtle, especially for like a kid's show. You don't do subtle, <laughs> you know, in a kid's show. And I feel like it well, didn't. Another, really thing, another thing is not only did they not make it seem like Mal was manipulating her. There's a line in there where she says, Mal's like, couldn't your mom just use the wand to make you beautiful? Like she did Cinderella. And she says, I've asked. And she said, no. Like, so we, we come into it with the, Jane already thinking that she's ugly. It, so, yeah. So it, if they wanted it to be Mal manipulating her, they did a really bad job. Or they just didn't think of it because Jane was already like, I asked. And she said, beauty is within. And if a boy can't see that, they're not worth your time. And so I'm like, okay, then. But why do you think you're ugly? Like, there's, you have no skin problems. You don't seem to have, like, your hair was a little thin. And it wasn't, like, styled, but it was a cute haircut. It could have been styled very nicely. And even without it styled cutely, she still looked gorgeous. Like, I know, but she's a very pretty girl. Yeah, no, if they were trying, and if they were trying to go for more of, like, she had an eating disorder, she did have body dysmorphia, or just really low self-esteem or something, um, you can't be that subtle, just like you said, in a kid's movie, you have to be a bit more over the head, and whether or not you should talk about that, it depending on the demographic you're going for, like, the younger, younger kids, that would be something really heavy for them, more like 12 to 14, I could see, you know, they would do a message like that. So maybe they were like, I don't know what message they were. I don't even know what they were trying to go with at this and that's point. The problem. That's the problem is that you don't know what they were going for in this. And that's what kind of makes it muddled is it. And like I said, if this was just, you know, chalk it up to it didn't come off very well. But because and eventually um, Jane becomes like one of the mean girls and is and is mean to them because now she's with all the popular people because she's pretty now, quote unquote, pretty now. And then Mal takes back the hair that she gave her, you know, and <clears throat> and and then she goes and it's a whole big thing. It's a huge plot point. Um, and so I wish that they would have given it. And then like in the end. The huge, like she grabs the wand and all that stuff. Like in the end, the only explanation that you get is that Mal is like, "Well, I put those ideas in her head," and it's like, obviously, you didn't put those ideas in her head because she's asked her mom before. So yeah, it it gets muddled. So the storytelling there was done badly, and I would have to fix that. What I would have done was made it very obvious that Mal was manipulating her. I would have had her look in the mirror and had Mal do magic behind her back to make it look like her nose was really wide or big or, you know, something, something like that. So that we knew that, yeah, she had some um, insecurities before, but then Mal like totally uh, played off of them and used magic to manipulate it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. That would have gone over better. Um, Do you have any other notes about, up to that point um and nope my next note is uh later on the next so after that they um i'm trying to figure out which part to say first so jay and carlos the boys try out for 
tourney, which is a sport. It looks a lot like lacrosse. I don't know if it is. I've never seen lacrosse. So maybe it is exactly lacrosse or maybe tourney is a real sport. I have no idea. But it's a sport called tourney. Looks like lacrosse. And they try out for it. Jay is a natural. He is just raw talent across the board. Doesn't know how to work as a team. But the coach kind of does a little pep talk to him. Um, and helps him, you know, realize what a team is. Carlos needs some help, and Prince Benjamin decides to help Carlos, and he does some private training with Carlos, where Carlos learns to overcome his fear of dogs. So Corella, Corella Deville, that's Carlos's mom. He she put a fear of dogs into Carlos, telling him that they are big, rabid creatures that eat boys, especially if they misbehave. <laughs> Sorry, it's. It's just funny because she's evil and you think she would want her son to be evil. So why would you make him afraid of misbehaving? But either way, he's afraid of dogs. He meets a dog, the dog, the mascot, excuse me. And he becomes really fast friends with the dog. And from this point on, anything to do with Carlos is basically him holding the dog and petting the dog and everything with the dog. They just, again, completely leave out that he is very smart and capable of many things and just have him be like, and now you're with a dog because you're Corella's son. Isn't that funny? Ha ha ha. Yeah. So, and how they introduce the dog is really weird. Um, I have a lot of issues with the dog, but we'll, yeah, we'll this is Carlos. I'd be scared too. If a dog just started chasing me, but, in fact, I had a dog chase me the other month and I ran like a scared little kid. Cause it chased me <laughs> growling and barking. Okay. But Never mind. I'll explain to you later. Anyway, the dog comes out of nowhere. The the dog comes out of nowhere. Like when you see the scene, it's Ben is like, okay, let's do some sprints. And then all of a sudden Carlos is running from a dog. Like Carlos is like getting ready to run like sprints or whatever. And then it shows a dog and then it shows Carlos running away. Like it's split together really poorly even for a kid's movie, it was not done well. Um, yeah. And then he and then he runs down this little trail in the woods and he climbs up a tree, but he doesn't actually climb up a tree. He goes like half a foot up a tree and the dog <laughs> is just kind of staring at him. And so like they, they have like the downward angle. So it looks like he's really far on the tree, but then they do an outward angle and he's literally like not even two feet off the ground. <laughs> and the dog could totally reach him <laughs> if the dog wanted him. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, so it's just fun. really it's a really fun but and I really liked um how kind they made Ben uh in in these two sections where first of all the fact that he's training Carlos was very sweet of him the fact that he like shows him like dogs are nice and he kind of explains like you've never had a dog you've never seen a dog like and he explains everything Ben is very nice in that section. It gets super awkward at one point because he's like, I love this dog. And he's like, yeah, I'll leave you two alone. Just come back when you're ready. <laughs> like it gets super awkward, but I really did like the way that they developed Ben's character to just be very kind. Um, and, and, and it plays, it makes it the fact that he made the decree to bring the kids over believable because he is just that nice of a person, you know? So yeah. I like the way that they did that. I like the way they did that for him. He he is very, very kind. I really, really enjoy Benjamin. I like the actor who plays him as well. I thought he did a really good job. Um, I don't really have any notes on that part other than 
I didn't, at this point in the movie, I didn't mind Carlos being an attorney and having the dog. I didn't realize that was going to become all he did for the rest of the movie. I, If I had known that, I probably would have been like, show him being smart or, you know, showing, like, being, maybe in a computer class because he's so good with technology and quick on his feet and quick to think on his feet, that is. But, um... But at the time, I didn't know that that was how it was going to be. So I had no notes on that. Um, the next part, basically, is they discover, you know, they're trying to figure out how to get to the fairy godmother's wand. And they've already kind of been manipulating Jane, as we mentioned, who's the fairy godmother's daughter in an attempt to get it. Well, Evie finds out that the wand gets used at the coronation of Ben, which is happening soon. And the whole school is invited. So then they get the clever idea of, well, we just have to go to the coronation and we'll just grab the wand from the fairy godmother there. Um, Mal asks Ben and he's to, sorry, Mal asks Ben if they can have front row seats at at the coronation since they're new, they've never seen something like that. She said, it will really help us, you know, be good citizens and all that stuff. And he says, I'm so sorry. The only people who could be up next to me are my parents and my girlfriend which is Audrey, Sleeping Beauty's daughter. Now, yet again, we have a character who is a descendant of a princess who is very kind, and their their child is a jerk. Audrey, Sleeping Beauty's daughter, is just, she's very mean. She's very petty. She's a mean girl. She's like the head of the mean girls. She's extraordinarily self-centered. The fact that Ben is with her, I honestly could not believe. I didn't find it very believable because she was so opposite of him and not in ways that usually opposites attract but like she was just straight up mean well and when we're first introduced to her back um back when we get introduced to the or the descendants get introduced to ben we meet her and you can tell he's very embarrassed by her because she makes a point of saying like he's a prince and he's got a castle and like very you know because she has to sort of stand off with evie about like I'm royal and you're not royal. Your mother, even though your mother's a queen, you're not a princess because she has no power anymore. And, and you can tell like Ben and the acting there was beautiful for uh, mm-hmm. a kid's movie. For, it was, you know, <laughs> for a kid's movie, it was very well done. And he's obviously very embarrassed by the fact that she's sh- uh, saying all the shallow things about him that she likes about him and that she likes about herself. And he's obviously very embarrassed by it. And then it's funny that like, he's just, he just goes with it, you know, (laughs) but he makes, he makes some questionable decisions later on as well. But yeah, like you said, they're very opposite and not in a play off each other opposite. They're opposite in their values, you know, and that is never a good idea. And it, he looks very embarrassed by her in the beginning. So as soon as Mal finds out, like, Oh, he only his girlfriend's going to be next to him. You can. It's like, well, I know that. <laughs> like, I know what's yeah. happening next. So Mal and them decide that they are going to do a love potion or spell on Benjamin so that Mal can be his girlfriend and then be right next to him at the coronation to get the wand. And they it looks like they're making cookies. They're in the kitchen. It, it, it literally looks like cookie dough. What they're yeah. mixing together. Well, yes, it is cookie dough, <laughs> but I didn't realize really. So 
earlier in the movie, you know, Mal Ken gets this job of doing all these girls' hair so that they can all be pretty and popular. Mulan's daughter was one of the people whose hair she did. When Mulan comes down to the kitchen and sees them, and, you know, she tells them about chocolate chip cookies. Mulan's daughter, excuse me. I probably said Mulan. Sorry. Mulan's daughter, the descendants of Mulan. Um, I don't know her name. (laughs) I don't remember her name either. I think they said it only a couple times, and on and I didn't have any notes about her because I thought she was good. I didn't have anything to say. They only, they only say it once because I didn't remember what it was like when she first said it, and I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna have to listen to find out what her name is." And they never say it again. <laughs> like, okay. if they did. I really missed it, but they just say it when she introduces herself, and I don't think they ever say it again. So I don't remember what her name. I also didn't like the outfits they put her in as much. I know they were trying to do like a Mulan derivative, but I actually thought it didn't work. But more on that later. That's more of the end. <laughs> mm-hmm. But more on that later. So she comes down to the kitchen. Now, here's the thing. They ha- they're going through this love potion and they find that they're missing only one ingredient, which is a tear of sadness. And so, you know, they plan on crying. One of one of the boys mentions, okay, like one of us like, has to cry. And they're like, no, it has to be a tear of sadness. Yeah, they're like cutting onion or something. Yeah, they're like, okay, let's start cutting onions. Nope, it has to be sad. And Mal's like, well, I never cry and I'm never sad. So like that, I can't do it. So Milan's daughter comes down. She tells them about chocolate chips. They've never seen them or heard of them. And she's like, you know, like when you're sad and your mom makes you chocolate chip cookies and all this stuff. And she keeps going and it keeps getting more and more awkward. And she finally is like, you don't your your parents ever do something like this for you. And the descendants are like, well, no, like our parents are villains. She's like, yeah, but I thought even villains love their children. And she's like, oh, my gosh, can't believe I just said that. I'm so sorry. And then Milan's daughter starts to cry. Tears is more sympathy, it's sympathy and sadness mixed together. So I guess it does count as a tear of sadness. But she starts crying because she can't believe that these teenagers have gone so long without really feeling the same warmth from their parents that she's had the privilege of of feeling and having throughout her life. Well, like the villain kids, I guess that they are, they take the tear of sadness right off her face, plop it in the cookie dough and shun her out the door. And bake the cookies. And now they have their love potion all ready for Prince Benjamin. Um, they give it to Prince Benjamin. Mal convinces him to eat it. It works almost immediately. Um, and then they have a tourney game. So Jay and Carlos and Ben, you know, they're all on the tourney team. We see Jay learning to be a team player by asking coach to let Carlos play, even though Carlos isn't the best tourney player. He also hands off the winning shot to Benjamin who makes it, everyone's happy, you know, because their school won the big game. And then Benjamin has a Heath Ledger in the bleachers moment is what it reminded me of from 10 Things I Hate About You. But so much worse. <laughs> but so much, okay, I agree. No one's going to top Heath Ledger's in the bleachers and 10 Things I Hate About You. But it, it's, it's similar-ish where he takes a microphone from the announcer guy now, keep in mind, since the love potion, he has not, we d- haven't seen him talk to Audrey at all. We know that she is his date to the coordination as of right now. She's even getting fitted for a dress. She is the head cheerleader, so she's right there on the field. And he starts proclaiming his love to Mal. He's like, Mal, I love you. And he bursts out into song. 
I did not mind the song except for the fact that it went on for too long. But I did not mind the song. I thought he was. He, I thought he was a very good singer and dancer. I yeah. The song went on a bit too long. It's such a. It's an odd song. First of all, it's odd that everybody is just totally okay with it and behind him <laughs> like nobody thinks yeah. that this is weird or like hey she can do magic to do people's hair she's the daughter of like the most evil sorceress ever and now our prince who has a girlfriend is proclaiming his love in song that's not weird <laughs> whatever <laughs> like nobody questions goes it along with it. even audrey goes along with it like she gets mad but at, literally, at the very end of the song, Prince Benjamin, he's made his way up the bleachers to where Mal is. And Audrey comes right up to them and it's like, I'm with Chad now. If you remember, Chad is Cinderella's son. And then just, like, goes off. <laughs> like, and just So even he accepts it. Like, everyone is just like, okay. Yeah, Let's she's like, I'm, I'm not going to let you dump me. I'm going to dump you and I'm going to be with Chad. Which, of course, breaks Evie's heart because she was all in love with him and doing his homework. And I know I felt bad for he just ditched her for Audrey. Um, yeah, I just have that note that that song is really odd. Like, I, I do yeah. agree. If it had been shorter, it would have been better. If there had been some sort of, I don't know, <laughs> I, I can't. If people it were weirded just... out by it, it would have been. <laughs> yeah. If it was like, like Jay and Carlos dancing and singing with him only, maybe if he recruited a couple other guys on the team, but like everyone went along with it if they would have been weirded out at first and then eventually got into it it also would have been better but i feel like they were just riding high from the fact that they won and then everybody was just happy and then they just like were like okay yay we're just gonna be happy even though this is super weird and odd and nobody's gonna question it i i feel like if they would have maybe been like what is happening like what what is going on right now and then eventually he's the prince and he's so charming and likable that that people join in then i would have been okay with it but the fact that he just like everybody's just totally cool with it and believes it and accepts it immediately and joins into the the dance and the song immediately and then it goes on a little bit too long it it, yeah it was just odd like i don't i don't necessarily have an issue with it it was just odd you know like it was kind of like the timing of kristen chenoweth's song was odd this one was just straight up odd (laughs) not bad (laughs) But just kind of like weird. Wait, what? Really? Okay. Yeah. I will say though, again, Ben, the guy who plays Ben, he's a good singer and he's a good dancer. Like he he really yeah. is a triple threat. I did not hate his singing or dancing in any way. I thought he was very good. Um yeah. you could tell, but- like, because he he's not as good of dancer as um Cameron Boyce and the kid that plays Ben. So they yeah they obviously like toned his dance number down a bit and had <laughs> had the other boys tone themselves down um to make him look good so I think that was a good that was a good choice the way that they did that to show off um because you have Carlos and Jay who are both ridiculously good dancers and then you have this guy who's a good singer and he danced just fine but he wasn't up to their level have them come down a notch to make him look good I thought that was a that was a smart choice. That was them being tr- true wingmen for him. Exactly. <laughs> they, were, they were the true bros in this. So the next part is you know, Benjamin is in love with Mal. So, of course, he wants to start taking her out on dates. Evie helps Mal because Mal's never been out on a date. 
Okay, I'll just summarize. And this might and might not be necessarily in this order, but here are the events that happened <laughs> in the <laughs> next part. I can't remember because I remember feeling like we should have a flashback of the parents now, and then we didn't have a flashback of them for like another fifteen minutes. Well, not a flashback, like a flash sideways, like a like a flash to them. We didn't for a really long time, and I kept thinking like, okay, anytime now, like we'll we'll see them because I we needed to and we didn't. So. I feel like it was after the date. So Mal goes on a date with Benjamin. Evie helps get her dressed up. We find out Evie is really good at sewing. She has also says she's good at cooking and cleaning, like anything and everything that helps her be really good, quote unquote, wife, like all the homely homemaking things she can do. And she's also very smart because she was the one that explained the difference between an emotional tear and a non-emotional tear. Scientifically yes, she, explained it. Yeah. She had she knew the properties that were in the tears um because she was getting really good at chemistry, especially as we really saw her start to shine. So Evie's very smart. She can sew, she can design clothes, um, and she helps Mal, you know, get all prettied up. And they go on this day and they go on a really, really bachelor-esque but pg date and bachelor-esque in this very over the top very romantic he takes her to like by this lake and has a picnic all laid out for her and they go and they eat the picnic and she's never had strawberries before and she's obsessed with strawberries now after she eats them and the old the they eat all this stuff. He's asking questions about her and her life and you know she's getting to know more about him and and everything. It's a super cute date. Um, and then he suggested go for a swim. And she's like, no, you can go. But I'm just going to stay here and like eat more strawberries and stuff. And so he goes for a swim, right? And then she has a song about how she's feeling or she doesn't know how she's feeling. She's conflicted. And I was just like, but he's like right there in the water. And you're like singing by the picnic blanket. Well, I mean, I it's, a, like- it's a montage song. So I feel like it's uh, it's in your head type of song. <laughs> it wasn't okay. out loud, you know, quote unquote, out loud. <laughs> yeah, it's still I, I didn't mind. I don't mind. it. I think it was probably one of the less odd places to place a song. Um, but he, so he's swimming. She's having this song. Like, here's the thing. He suggested they swim. And she is in a dress and, like, little boots with, like, little heels on the boots. What exactly did he... Was he planning on her wearing while they went swimming? Because he brought swim trunks. Like, we see him. He goes off and changes somewhere. And the next time we see him, he's in swim trunks when he, before he goes in the water. My but, guess is with, with how much prep he has and he's a prince, he probably had a suit for her. And she just okay. didn't because he yeah, has like you, you see like you see like towels and like he had stuff there, so I'm guessing he had a swimming suit for her. Okay, and he probably had her size, maybe from Evie or something, because you know Evie would totally help set up the date if he asked her. And... Well, okay, so and that means print, so he could probably just get her like 13 of them, and then whatever size <laughs> she could take. <laughs> exactly i will say the girl who plays mal i mean there are there are no bad singers dancers or actors i feel in this movie like no one stuck out as like oh my gosh they're bad like they shouldn't they should have done something else um you know she had a song she was really good i liked it and then she turns around and prince benjamin is like gone like she does not see him anywhere 
in the water. So she wades out to him and she gets farther than she can walk and she kind of starts going under and you, you know she cannot swim at all. And then all of a sudden Prince Benjamin comes up from underneath the water. He was holding his breath for who knows how long. <laughs> and she came in to save him and he ended up saving her and she gets really mad that she got all wet and everything and he stays cool as a cucumber he stays super kind super thoughtful and i'm thinking this whole time like look at what the love potion has done like he is saying even though she is being really really mad and even mean to him a little bit he's staying so cool under the pressure so nice and everything and they keep having like the almost kiss moments and she keeps turning away. Um, but he still, you know, really likes her and still is being super romantic. It was just a super cute romantic date that they went on. I had one note about Ben's hair because during the, I think it was right after they got out of the water. Maybe it was before at some point they're sitting on a blanket and talking and we just get, we get close up of his face and then her face and like a conversation in any movie. And I couldn't stop staring at his hair because it looked like it was cut really choppily and had really bad chunky highlights in it. It does. I I noticed that from the very beginning, he has very bad chunky highlights. And his hair looked chopped really weird. I think it must have been before they went in the he went in the water. Because I was just like, who cut his hair? And who put those highlights there? And who cut his hair? Like I couldn't stop staring at his hair that whole time. If they like wanted a blonde kid and he wasn't blonde enough, and they just thought like, well, just we'll just dye it. It's fine. I don't, I don't know. But I noticed that too. I was just like, because this is not a movie done like really like in the 90s or anything like this was a pretty recent um within the last 10 years type of movie and those highlights are just really bad for that so yeah I noticed that too I also noticed so at one point they're walking across the bridge and he uh asked her something like what what is um something you don't nobody knows about you or whatever she says my middle name is birth uh and he says that his middle name is Florian and I love that because <laughs> that is the name of Snow White's prince um, yes. and it never, it never says that in the movie Snow White it never says his name but that is in fact his name so I thought that it's was Florian. a beautiful little easter egg I loved it so um yeah and her middle name is Bertha which I thought Mal Bertha and then she said her last name I think and I don't remember what that is but she said it was her mom being evil, <laughs> naming her yeah. Bertha as her middle name. So the next part is, so they're having a family day at Oregon High School because it's a boarding school. So the families are all coming to visit. Obviously, <clears throat> excuse me, the villains cannot visit. They're not going to be left off, let off the island. So the fairy godmother arranges for them to have a video conference with them. And it's really funny get this like little funny gag of the parents can't figure out how to turn on the computer to see their kids at first and they turn it on and Maleficent is trying you know to use code to see if they're close to getting the wand and everything by pretending that she misses her daughter when can I see you and all this stuff and then you know it turns into the parents just fighting each other and the fairy godmother turns it off and you know apologizes and whatnot but 
um, the kids kind of just take it in stride. They're a little sad because they've had some time at Ardon High School and they've seen that, you know, people can be not that way. <laughs> but they I, go on. I really love that part. Just I love that yeah. part because I feel like the first time I watched this movie, I didn't notice that part at all. Um, but yeah. then rewatching it and like seeing the relationship between the parents and the kids and really like looking for storytelling beats um, this time through, I was like, that is actually a really good scene because you mm-hmm. like, we've had these little moments where like Jay is learning about teamwork and that kind of makes him want to stay. Carlos is bonded with this dog and he's part of the team and he has friends. And so it pretty much just comes down to the stupid dog because they, you know, they, they kind of squash him, but, and then you see like Evie is coming into her own and she's getting good at this, that, and, you know, she's becoming a really great person and, and uh, less shallow. And then Mal is obviously kind of falling for Ben (laughs) and doesn't want, you know, like they're all having their little moments of doubt. And then they have this moment with their parents and it's like, this is what we're working towards becoming like, these are the people that we want to be. And they all just are kind of like, they, they I don't know, I, watching it the second time, that moment really like hit me as like, Oh wow. Like they really are having some character development here to where they, you can see like they don't want it. And all of a sudden they're realizing that their parents are kind of wrong, <laughs> but they don't know how to like, do anything else like you know and so I it was it was a good plot point like I thought it worked out really well I, I really like that scene and I honestly don't remember it from the first time I watched it through so um but I thought it was a really good choice and I think the acting choices that they did after the fairy godmother like turns it off and you kind of see all their faces and how like awkward it is and it reflects the awkwardness of the conversation with Mulan's daughter of like even villains love their kids you know it kind of reflects that awkwardness and I thought that was good, good storytelling. Yeah, I really did. As I said, I feel like they, if we should have had a, a scene with the parents, even if it was without the kids a little bit earlier, cause I kept, I kept expecting it. And then it came like later than I was expecting, but I am glad that when we did see them, we got that scene because you're seeing the growth and I really did appreciate that. Um, and the poor fairy god, well, not the poor fairy godmother, but she really kind of gets a glimpse into what these kids are facing outside of the school. She has a little bit more sympathy for them after that. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what they kind of expected, how they expected the villains to treat their kids. I guess like Mulan's daughter thought, like even villains love their kids, but they're also villains and they did evil acts. And so why wouldn't they want the same for their their kids when they haven't been doing anything else? So Benjamin and Mal are together. Everything kind of happened. This is the very end of the movie. So basically we're getting to the coronation is coming up. Um, There's a, family day so the king and queen who's beast and bell come benjamin this is apparently the first time they're hearing that he's broken up with audrey bell is relieved which i thought was really funny <laughs> she was like i always you know thought that she was a little self too self-centered for for being a princess and all this stuff i'm glad you found someone else and they found out it's mal and they're super shocked at first that but they try to give her a chance and they have a game of croquet and they played croquet 
king, the queen, Benjamin, Mal, and all the three other descendants. Well, while they're playing, the Sleeping Beauty's mother, so Audrey's grandmother, comes. And I thought it was weird that they didn't have Sleeping Beauty herself come. Or if she was there, we didn't see her. We didn't get introduced to her. They never say where she is. They only have the grandmother show up. But a Sleeping Beauty's mother, she comes. She meets Mal. And at first, she doesn't recognize her. Audrey comes and of course, being Audrey, tells her exactly who Mal is, that she's Maleficent's daughter. And I actually really enjoy this part because we don't really think about the parents of Sleeping Beauty as much, but they missed out on raising Aurora their, her whole life. Like, as soon as the curse happened, they sent her off with the fairies and had the fairies raise her. And they didn't yeah. get, they, they chose not to raise her. And that would be so hard. And so she has a moment with Mal where she's like, How could you be here? How could you come here? Do you not know what your mother did to me, my daughter? was raised away from me like she didn't even get into the curse she just got into i had to live without my daughter because of her mother yeah and i think um one of the reasons why they had the the grandmother rather than sleeping beauty was because like you said sleeping beauty snow white and cinderella they all have that aspect of just complete kindness and sweetness and I honestly believe that Sleeping Beauty would have forgiven her. I don't remember if there's anything else with Sleeping Beauty. <laughs> like if they actually show Sleeping Beauty in the, in the sequels, I don't remember or not. But I feel like when they made this movie, it was just supposed to be a one-off. And so I really think that that was what they were going for. It's like they didn't want it to be like um, Sleeping Beauty is still mad at Maleficent. But, I, but the grandmother she has a very valid point. And I've always thought, I've always believed that I've always thought like the mother, like I thought that was a really good scene. That was a really great choice to have her be angry. I don't understand why she wasn't informed beforehand as to, as to the fact that Mal was there. Um, But uh, I did think that was, that was a clever scene. And, and then you kind of get like everybody turning against them and stuff like that that whole scene yeah Um, they kind of there's a fight basically breaks out because people start being really mean to the villains kids and they defend themselves essentially yeah and then obviously defends them and then there's a moment in in that fight or after that fight so Evie has like a sleeping potion in a perfume bottle and she sprays Chad and he you know falls over asleep and um (laughs) And they do like this whole, they have that horrible line of like, mirror, mirror in my hand. Who's the biggest jerk in the land? Like, oh, that was so bad. But it was, I mean, it was a kid's movie. What do you do? But I was just like, oof, that's, that's a rough line. That poor, that poor actress <laughs> had to try and pull that off. Um, anyway, so they have that, that fight. And then the villains, obviously the villains children walk away and then the other kids walk away and every, and Ben is like trying to like, bring peace and he's like mom and dad and and his parents leave and then Snow White and his you know ex-girlfriend leave and Chad leaves but then they show Mulan's daughter and Doug who's the one that is uh wanting to date Evie they show them like look at Ben all distressed and mad and then they walk away and I have a problem with that like why did they abandon Ben like they yeah, liked him. They were the ones- 
Yeah, they're they're they're, they're friends. Why did it? That yeah. was just, and it was weird because they're the last ones to leave, and so it's like they make a point of the fact that they are not supporting Ben, and they have no but reason to not support Ben. Yeah, you know? they're friends with the descendants. Doug has a cr- Doug, who is Dopey's son, has a crush on Evie, and, and Milan's daughter, whose name we don't know, like has been friends with them, and she's made a point to being nice to them quite a few times. And so I also thought it was weird that they walked away oh, from Ben. Like, why were they, like, they should have just not been there, or they should have yeah. left when, like, when the villains left, they should have left, and then you yeah. had like the shots of different people. That, you know, like it was weird that they made a point of like those two like leaving Ben and so Ben is all alone Ben goes up and he's he's like don't worry like my coronation's coming up really soon and then everything is going to be okay he know he gives a hug to Mal he really tries to assure them but Ben goes up he tries to reassure them obviously this event has kind of led the descendants especially Mal to kind of double down on their efforts and just well if they think we're evil that's what we're going to be sort of a thing and so they start to make a plan and you can see they're not really wholehearted into yeah let's be evil and like steal the wand they're kind of like yeah let's be evil and maybe steal the wand like they're not in it but now they're like well where else are we going to be accepted because now these people have turned on us so they make a plan this is when we hear about the limo driver's button thing but we never see it come to fruition (laughs) but we hear of it it's part of their plan their plan just doesn't come out the way they want it to well, they actually have the plan before that because they, when they're doing the plan, that's when we find out that Evie has the sleeping potion in the, yeah, and they're, and they're not, they're really half-hearted about it because they all are, have, they're all conflicted now, but then, so they're doing this plan, they have this plan, but they're all kind of like, nah, you know, and then yeah. this happens with the whole school kind of turning against them, and now they're like, okay. Well, oh, okay. I knew I was out of order with <laughs> so they had the plan now they're really you know they're gonna go through with it because of what happened and then the coronation comes snow white is basically the reporter reporting on like what's happening during the coronation which i thought was really funny for some reason i don't know why snow white of all people was that person but it was fun to see her the villains get the chance to watch the coronation i don't know why they would let the villains watch the coronation Maybe because their kids would be there, but the villains get access to watch the coronation. So they're watching and the evil queen makes a funny remark about Snow White having had work done because the evil queen herself looks like she's gotten some work done. <laughs> like a lot of work done. <laughs> yeah. And Maleficent just like looks at her like, what are you talking about? Like you're the one with the plastic surgery kind of a thing. So um Mal shows up in this gorgeous, gorgeous lavender gown. I have to say it is my favorite dress in this movie by far. I really enjoyed it. Anyway, she shows up in this gown and she has made an anti-love potion for Ben. Because as she explained to the other descendants earlier, she's like, you know, when our parents come and they take over the world and they take back the castles and put everyone else in prisons and put, send them to work and all this other evil stuff. I just think it's a little too much evil to have been still be in love with me through all that. So she's made an anti-love potion um, in the form of like a little muffin or a cupcake and gives it to him in the carriage ride to his coronation. And she's like, you know, a little something for after the ceremony. And she tries to really emphasize after 
you get crowned and all this stuff. And he kind of eats it right then and there. She's like, oh, oh, how do you feel about me? Would you say you have strong feelings for me? And she's really nervous because she thinks her plan is about to just completely blow up in her face. And he's like, oh, I don't know. Maybe we should give the anti-love potion a few minutes. And she's like, okay, what? (laughs) And it's revealed that the lake that they went to on their very first date was apparently an enchanted lake. And when Ben went swimming, the love potion wore off in the lake. But he still liked Mal, so he kind of just kept going with it. We're at the very end of the movie. So I think the last part I mentioned was that we found out that Benjamin knew since their first date when he swam in the lake that she'd given him a love potion, but he liked, he genuinely liked Mal. So he kind of just kept going with everything. So watching it again, it's, I really have to give kudos to the actor that played Ben. Because I knew, you know, I've obviously seen it. So I knew that it washed up in the lake. And so watching that lake scene again, you can kind of see he's he's very super interested in her. And then after he uh, comes out of the lake and he rescues her, he asks her, he's like, wait, you can't swim, but you came in after me? And she was like, well, yeah. You know, and he kind of like, you can see the wheels turning in his head. <laughs> and then he kind of like, he's like, and then he asked her, he's like, I said that I loved you. How do you feel about me? Like, and you kind of see like what he's doing is he's like testing the waters of why did she do this? Like, now that I know I was under a spell, how do I feel about her? But what, like, what was her motive behind it? And he kind of, I mean, he makes a wrong assumption, which still is. <laughs> You know, he's like, he's like, you had a crush on me and I had a girlfriend and you didn't think come by naturally. So you panicked and you put me under a spell. I get it. And she's like, yeah, let's go with that. My issue <laughs> that with this, better. Yeah, my issue with this, number one, is that he's okay with that. Um, <laughs> but also that she never has a reckoning with him to where she never actually comes clean and says, no, the reason I put you under a love spell was because I was trying to steal the wand the entire time. She never has to come clean about that. Um, I didn't like that either, that she never, she didn't correct him. And I think he was okay with it because she was a villain's kid. And she said at the lake, like, I don't even know what love feels like and everything. So I think that's why he was okay with her doing the love spell on him. Um, yeah, like he, like he said, it. But the fact it that was he really cleared it up was I didn't like that. Yeah, the the fact that it never came like at the end of the movie they have a big dance number rather than like a moment of like them talking and being like that. In in the sequels, I do believe that he knows why she did it and like so I feel like off screen it does happen, but it's kind of cheap that it never happens on screen you know like you should and I don't I don't necessarily remember that but I'm pretty sure (laughs) I'm pretty sure um we'll find out next week but um I felt like it was it was bad storytelling that she never had to come clean about the fact that she didn't do it because she had a crush on him she did it because of an evil plan you know (laughs) to take over the kingdom which she didn't do so it, it was fine um, exactly. So they're at the coronation. It's finally happening. Here's the thing. Remember when he said, like, oh, you know, the only people that could be in the front row were right next to me are my parents and girlfriend. That's not true because they get there and she's standing 
you know, in the front, but alongside a lot of other people while his, I mean, yes, the other descendants are in the balcony. So I guess being the girlfriend got her like on the floor right next to the podium instead of up in the balcony. But the only people truly standing right next to him are his parents and the fairy godmother. Um, so it doesn't. Yeah, it was the the spacing of it was weird. <laughs> yeah, like she's not at the podium. She's not on the podium. It made it seem like the girlfriend was going to be on the podium with him when he said like, "Oh, the only people there are my girlfriend and my parents." I'm like, "Oh, they'll be up at the dais or whatever they have." No, no, she was in line like, again, very front, but she was standing next to a bunch of other people that we don't know. <laughs> like yeah. anyway, but she's there. The fairy godmother takes out the wand and starts to give her blessing. We see Maleficent and them watching this. Maleficent's like, come on, like, you can do it. Grab the wand, free us, all this stuff. The, the kids in the balcony are looking at Mal, like, anytime now. But, like, also, do we really want to do this still? And then we see a hand grab the wand and we see the magic barrier around the island come down and Maleficent goes, yes, ha, 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 and she gets super happy. She grabs her stuff, which finally works now, and she starts to transport herself over to Aradon. And then we go back to what's actually happening at the ceremony, and we think Mal did it, but it's actually Jane, the fairy godmother's daughter, that has grabbed the wand. And her reasoning is, she's she says to her mother, if you won't use your wand to make me pretty, I'll do it myself. And somehow ended up taking down the barrier around the aisle. So, okay. Plot problems, (laughs) but also questions. So, so Jane grabs this wand and she can't, they, they, they try to portray that she can't control it. And so there's just magic flying everywhere. And she creates a hole in, like, that's what I'm going with, is that she creates a hole in the barrier. She doesn't actually take the barrier down, which is why Maleficent is the only villain that makes the cross, because Malefic- Maleficent can fly. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what I'm going with, because otherwise, why was she the only one that made it across? Why was she the only one that had magic? Um, I think it was just because she was the only one that could fly out. Um, and so there, you know, they're in this CGI castle, which I actually didn't mind the CGI castle because in kids movies, bad CGI is actually better because it makes people pop more, um, which is aesthetically pleasing for little kids. Kind of annoying as an adult, but anyway, <laughs> but in, in a kid's movie, it's actually a really good technique to rather than have them in stone walls is to have them on a green screen. Um, and I really, uh, I don't know why she was the only one that made it across. <laughs> um, and I, and like we had talked about before, Jane thinking that she's ugly and the, 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 the storyline of Jane didn't make, didn't have a good payoff, I guess should be the thing is she wasn't ugly. She was, she was somehow convinced that she was ugly. Mal gets mad at her for being mean. So she takes back her hair and the girls make fun of her. Not really. They just kind of laugh for like a half a second. <laughs> and then she's like, you're going to make me, you're not going to make me beautiful. Then I will. And then there's this whole big thing. Mal rustles her to the ground, not to the ground. Mal rustles her and gets the wand from her. And so now Mal has everything that she needs and her mom is free. And kind of, um, she gives a speech 
And I have some issues with the speech. (laughs) So I feel like the problem with this movie is that they geared it towards a younger audience. And I feel like they didn't know the depth uh, that they could have gone with it. Because this speech in particular is very shallow reasonings. Like she talks about how like, Evie, you don't have to dumb yourself down for a guy. And Carlos, what makes you happy is you know, scratching dude's belly and being with dogs. And what makes you happy, Jay, is being part of a team. And they were all really, really shallow, dumb reasons for being happy, you know. Um, And I feel like the characters have done more than that. Like, Evie didn't, like, Evie knew she didn't need to dumb herself down for, for a guy. Like, she wanted to be with Doug, who praised her for being smart and helped her be smart, you know. And so, and then obviously we've already talked about how Carlos was completely like his entire um, character development was dropped so that he could like dogs. So that was weird. And then like Jay learning to be a part of a team was at least something, you know, I just, that speech was just really shallow compared to what the characters could have actually learned. And I feel like they went so surface level with it when they could have gone deeper and it wouldn't have made it like too intense for kids or anything like that like it still would have been for the same audience and they could have actually done better examples of what made them happy you know yeah so I didn't really like the speech um no, no I agree I thought it was really weird especially because she and here's the thing now they're all shallow reasons but Carlos was the most shallow she goes from like Evie you don't have to dumb yourself down for a guy like you're so smart and talented you can do this and this and this and Jay you're part of a team and Carlos you like to rub dogs bellies and like that was all he got <laughs> like, it was so it was just like really really <laughs> And here's the thing, Harry Potter, the first one especially, is geared toward children between the ages of 8 and 12. For Like, I started reading it at 8, I watched the movie at the age of 8, and it has a lot of deeper conversations in it. And I totally, like, I, may, I might not have gotten the full breadth of it as a child, but it didn't go over my head completely. I still understood it, it still taught me things, and you know, like, if Harry Potter, especially again, the first book or two are geared toward kids and can have like those that deeper lesson and that deeper meaning and like these speeches that you can learn from both as a kid and an adult like I feel like other kids movies can as well they we we underestimate kids a lot of the time I think and I feel like that was that speech was them underestimating the kids and that they oh they won't understand like morals or ethics or deeper reasons or what really makes you happy or the difference between good and evil like they didn't think that they would understand that so they're like what makes you happy the things that happen in Oradon like the things on the aisle don't make you happy but no one on the aisle would be happy you have nothing you're trapped you have no wi-fi you're stuck there with a bunch of people who were villains and therefore they are not nice like no one would be happy there yeah and I feel like it all culminates to you know things that just kind of fall a little bit flat (laughs) and it's like everybody's character arc is like I don't know it's like a roller coaster where they like take you up and up and up and up and up and then rather than like whooshing you down in like a really satisfying way they're just like oh never mind everybody like get off the ride up here and climb down a ladder that's the end of the ride we're done (laughs) you know like it's just so 
like anticlimactic of like you could have done such cool character developments for all of them like they all had a fun arc that could have you know really culminated in something interesting like Carlos's mother she didn't even want him to leave so obviously she's very codependent and so him finding out that he's super smart and good with technology and comes up with like he's quick-witted and smart on his feet like him finding his identity in that um in his own intelligence would have been so satisfying you know but instead he 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 likes dude the dog and belly rub you know like it's just like no, like it, I'm fine with him having the relationship with the dog and realizing because I thought it was cute. Like they all they like throughout the rest of the movie, they have like matching sweaters and stuff. Like I <laughs> thought that was a cute idea, but I feel like it shouldn't have stopped <laughs> like his entire character arc. You know, yeah. it should have just been a part of it of like maybe dude represents this, but he wasn't the entirety of the kid's character arc. And then with Jay, like you love playing as part of a team, you know, it was like, yeah, but what did he learn from being on that team? He learned like working with other people and trust and, you know, caring about other people. And because when he, the first time we see him play, he just tackles everybody on his team, off his team, you know, like he just kind of tackles everybody. But then by the end of his kind of character arc, he is working completely as a team with Carlos and Ben and all the other, you know, like, and he trusts them to get the job done. And that's something that none of these kids know before. And so he learned that and it was like, it, it could have actually landed. And then Evie, her entire thing was that she wanted to marry for money. And that was it. And then she learns she doesn't have to dumb herself down for a guy. Like, that wasn't even part of her arc. Her arc was, like, she didn't need to dumb herself down for anybody because the guy that she was going after that was, you know, the quote-unquote wrong guy didn't want her to be dumb. He wanted her to do his homework. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, it didn't even make sense with her character. Like, she was talented in sewing and fashion, and she was good in chemistry, and she was, you know, picking up on things and she was learning that looks weren't everything and that she could fall in love with someone who wasn't necessarily in line for a crown but that made her happy like there was so many more ways that they could have done that speech to highlight all of their story arcs and honestly the only part I liked about the speech was when she's like holds up the ring and is like I would like, like what makes me happy is being with Ben and I love Ben's face. Cause he's like, Oh, phew. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> he just has this moment of relief on his face. And I love that. That was my favorite part of that entire speech was just Ben's face in the background. So yeah, that was a missed yeah. opportunity to like, to actually have that culminate because uh, Dove Cameron is the girl that plays Mal. She could have delivered that super easily you know like she was fine (laughs) it wasn't she's not like a child actor who can't handle that type of emotional speech like I feel like it was harder for her to do the shallow speech than it would have been for her to do the deep speech and they should have just let they should have just trusted their actress because she could have pulled it off easily I agree with that 100% um so she gives a speech they all decide to be good her mother turns up gets the wand from her, Mal tries to stop her. Maleficent freezes everybody except herself and the four villains' kids. 
and a fight starts. Val gets the wand back, but her mom is still really strong in magic without it. So then all four of the kids stand against Maleficent. She turns into a dragon and she starts chasing them around. And then they all stand against her and they're basically saying something about, I can't remember what the exact phrase is, but it was like, you know, one against the four of us when we stand together, can't defeat us, love always wins. Something along those lines. I cannot remember what the actual line is, but it's basically like, you know, when we stand together and we're on the side of good and we work as a team, you can't defeat us because you're only one person and you're on the side of evil. And we have love on our side was kind of like what they were saying. Um, And they point the wand at her and Maleficent, and I thought she like died or disappeared or something. And I was really shocked. I was like, what did they just do in this very much a kid's movie? (laughs) But it turns out she just turned into from a dragon to like a really small lizard. And the fairy godmother is apparently the only one unfreeze when this happens. And she comes up and is like, your mother shrunk down to the size of love in her heart. And then the fairy godmother takes back the wand and unfreezes everybody. And my favorite part, personally, before Maleficent froze everybody, Ben was all ready to, like, go and tackle her down and just, you know, take down the evil person. And he got frozen in that, obviously. And then so as soon as they're unfrozen, he's still in that mode. So he runs forward yelling, like, game face on. <laughs> so ready to take that Maleficent. Mal, Mal has to stop and is like, we, we did it. We did it. You're okay. Like, you can calm down now. <laughs> um, oh, also, while they were frozen, I forgot another best part. Maleficent totally hits on Adam slash the Beast. She's like, in another time, in another life. <laughs> she's in that moment i think i i would not be surprised to learn that kristen chenoweth ad-libbed that i would be completely honest yeah she is great and she like walks around and like puts his glasses on sideways and then she like takes the prince's crown and like makes it crooked and you know just just being her it was just hilarious so it was Um, that was a great moment for Maleficent it really was she did again she just has so much fun being Maleficent and she's so good at having fun and and but still being like that evil and letting you in on the fun it oh anyway Chris Chenoweth is amazing um is what I have as far as notes on Maleficent during all of that so the very very end Mal and Ben are together they've defeated the evil Maleficent is now going to be a lizard until she learns to love and have her love grow, and then she'll grow. And they sing, a re- they have a really big song and dance number with everyone at the very end. And I think, oh, at one point during this scene, when everyone's frozen and it's Maleficent and the kids, is it just me or does she hit on Jay? Like, because one, this is the only reference to Gaston we get. She goes up to Jay. And feels his arm. He's like, ooh, Gaston should be jealous. And I'm like, I'm sorry, is she hitting on a (laughs) 16-year-old? It kind of feels that way. It does. But, I mean, she's evil, so what are you going to do? I know, but she's evil. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know that she's necessarily hitting on him. More of just, like, a potential henchman. Like, ooh, you'd be a good candidate. You're, You're strong. You can do my bidding. You can be my cronk to the Yzma that I will be, you know, kind of a thing. Yeah. 
No, I can see that. But and I mean, Jay is very muscular. He's definitely very much the athlete of the group. But I just thought it was that was the only part where I was like uncomfortable with Maleficent doing anything like that was oh Gaston should be jealous and like feeling up his arm but that's just me um but that's the end of the movie my only notes sorry I'm changing position um my only note after the issue hitting on a teenager is what the heck Mal and Ben don't kiss the entire movie and they keep building up to it over and over again and it's a Disney movie and we all know at the end of the Disney movie the prince and princess kiss oh it gets worse don't worry about it (laughs) oh that's what I've heard that that's actually what I heard about like them when people said they act younger than they are it's like their relationship goes backward instead of I mean I don't I, I still want them to stay family friendly i still want them to stay geared toward children but you can show teenagers in a relationship and have it be clean still like you don't have to show them like the cw teenage romances where it's like 25 year olds really playing them like you can have a legit teenage relationship and have it be perfectly family friendly and have it but still know that like they're 16 17 18 years old and in this movie, I thought it was super cute how Ben kept trying to kiss her and he was so romantic. And I understood why she didn't want to kiss him for a lot of the movie. But at the very end, I felt just ripped off. I agree. Especially because, like, they, they have the moment of, like, what? You didn't think this was the end of the story. And so it's kind of like, well, the kiss signifies the end of the story. And so they didn't do a kiss. But... Girl, that, again, it doesn't pay off. And this movie was meant to be a one-off. It was, it wasn't that. I mean, it's Disney, so they're always open to sequels and trilogies and stuff. Like Disney will never not be open to its sequels. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was originally planned. Like they didn't have a sequel written when they wrote this, and so it was kind of like, really, you're you're gonna go with that, <laughs> like. Um, I also didn't love, so, so I agree with you. I actually like, I know that Mulan is your all time favorite Disney princess movie, but I actually didn't She's not watch a princess, that but, and she does not get a kiss, which still bugs me. Yeah. That, that bothers me so much that she doesn't get a kiss. So I, um, and but she, at the same she, time, she, the she thought he was a guy. Most of the movie, Taya, it takes time to switch that. Okay. That's my excuse. <laughs> That's my excuse is he had to kind of switch his from, from, you know, thinking she's a guy to thinking she's betrayed them because he feels very betrayed by it. Like he gets very little time with Mulan as herself. So that's my excuse for it, but we're not talking about Mulan. So I'll get off my pedestal now (laughs) or not pedestal. Sorry, my soapbox, my soapbox. (laughs) I'm just saying I don't like it in movies when, when they have a kiss on screen like your first kiss payoff I don't I don't like that at all I have a hard time with it um and so I didn't like that at all but I the the scene the the final scene is this dance number that is 100% just a ripoff of High School Musical and I just it didn't fit (laughs) well I didn't like it very much I mean and I love big dance numbers but like I said this movie doesn't have a lot of musical numbers in it which I appreciate because I actually like story more than I like music um in like in musicals and stuff 
which I know like all of my theater friends are cringing when I say that, but yeah, I actually I prefer so. story over musical, <laughs> over musical numbers. Um, so I didn't mind it. So it just kind of came out of this, like the song itself, the choreography, the set, it all looked so reminiscent of high school musical. Um, the final one. And it was just like, come on, like just give them their own thing. Like make it in a ballroom with a ball. Like these are descendants of fairy tale creatures, you know, like do something different, but instead they just kind of slap some castle looking design on it. And that was it. Um, but yeah, that was the end of my notes. I didn't love that. I liked a lot of, <clears throat> they had a lot of different representation. I didn't have a problem um, with that, but I did. I don't know. It, this movie, I like this movie. It has a lot of issues geared towards kids. It's it's actually pretty good. The acting is pretty good. I would say my biggest issue is that they didn't trust their actors they, to tell a story that was age appropriate and they dumbed it down. Like I feel like this story, this world, these actors, these characters are better than the writing that they got. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes, 100%. So, so I do like it. I think it's good. I love the costuming of the main characters. I think all of the other non-main characters got so shafted in the costume department. Like if you watch like the scene of them playing the 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 game, yeah. Like you see all of the costumes and I'm just like, "Oh my gosh, these costumes are so just lame yeah (laughs) and 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 but like then the main characters have like really cool costumes and they're all leather and zippers and mal has everything reminiscent of a purple and green dragon and uh evie has everything reminiscent of you know the 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 blue yellow and red of snow white mixed a little evil you know with the apple symmetry and stuff and then Carlos is like this skater boy uh, dancer style and um, and then Jay is usually in a uniform after that so it doesn't really <laughs> he's usually in something like but... a, like a sleeveless shirt to show off his arms and like boots so I feel like the main characters got costumed well and the rest of them kind of suffered because yeah. they didn't they didn't match together yeah no, but... I agree with that but overall, I really did like it. I did not expect to like it as much, and I really did like it. Sorry, I said that like five times, but I'm just kind of really shocked that I had that opinion because, as I said, I'm even to this day, I'm not like a huge high school musical fan. I've never seen two or three. I've only seen one, maybe twice all the way through. Um, so that's my opinion. I'm excited to do two next week and then three the following week. And to, yeah, again, the only thing I've heard is that the relationship kind of goes backward and that's why people didn't like the sequels as much, but I'm curious about the other aspects. So we'll find out next week. Yeah. I won't spoil anything for you and we will, (laughs) we'll watch it next week and we can talk about it. Okay. So signing off, this is Laura. This is Taya. And I hope you all have a good week. We'll see you or... I guess you'll hear us next week. Feel free to leave a comment on our Facebook, Instagram pages. We're also on Twitter and, or you can leave a message through anchor. We will reply to any messages and comments. Let us know how you're, how we are doing, what you would like to see us from us next. And yeah, descendants too coming next week.
Bye. Bye.